0: Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. My name is Pastor Eric Manley. Uh, my wife and I have the privilege of serving in this house by being these small groups and family pastors here. We love it. We've been here for 13 years. Man, we love this house. Pastor JF and Ashley send their greetings to you as they are in a far away and very warm land, celebrating 10 years of marriage. So man, blessings to our pastors uh, as they have the chance to get away uh, for a few days. Well, we are going to continue our series entitled Good Eyes. What does that mean? What does it mean to have good eyes? It's a it's a, it's a cultural phrase used in Israel. It's been used by the Jewish culture for years, thousands of years, actually. Jesus used this phrase way back then, and they still use it today. And what it means is that you have this idea that you accept, you understand, you see God's generosity in what he has given you, and in turn, you can take that generosity and give it to others. Isn't that good? And so over the last couple weeks, Pastor JF has been talking to us about what that looks like and how to avoid the pitfalls that keep us from living a life of generosity, that keep us from having good eyes. And he's been using words associated with sight to help us understand that. In week one, He used the word focus. And when we focus on certain things, when we focus on what other people have, when we focus on what we don't have, it keeps us from living a life of gratitude. Last week, he unpacked the Uh, idea of being spiritually nearsighted, meaning you only see the things right in front of you and the dangers of that when you cannot see past that, when everything else is a blur. Well, this morning, we are going to talk about a story in the Bible. A, A character will be introduced to you, probably not an actual introduction. I know some of you are very familiar with him. He was the ruler of Egypt, all of the land. He was second only to Pharaoh. His name was Joseph. And and the thing is, with, with Joseph, man, he had a tremendous work ethic, right? He worked hard. He was blessed by God. He had everything that you'd want. He had fame. He had money. He had power. Some guys just get all the breaks, you know? At least I think sometimes we see that when when we look at people in highly visible places. Man, if I could only have what they have, God, if you only equipped me with what they have, then I could be used by you. And then we start focusing on what somebody else has and we can't be used fully ourselves. But before we get into his story, let's go to our anchor verse. It's found in Matthew chapter six. Starting in verse 19, it says, "'Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth "'where moths and vermin destroy "'and where thieves break in and steal.'" But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will full. Will be full of darkness, and what Jesus is saying here is that when we have a light, when we when we have gratitude, it affects everything else in our life, whether we have it or not. Our perspective changes everything, and it affects how we talk to people. It affects how we work. It affects our relationships. It affects our impact on the world. When we have good eyes, when our eyes are healthy, when they're clear. Our perspective remains fresh. So this morning, since Pastor JF talked last week about being nearsighted and only being able to see the things that are right in front of you, this week we're going to be talking about being spiritually farsighted (laughs) and the importance that it is to be farsighted. And what I mean by that is being able to see beyond the obstacle that you are facing right now, being able to get past the roadblock that seems to keep you from moving in the right direction and fulfilling your purpose in the Lord. And it goes beyond you. I'm telling you, it goes beyond you and your life. I'm talking about living a life of obedience because it will pour out onto your next generations, your kids and your kids, 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 kids. Even when it gets hard, even when it gets really tough and we're weary and we don't understand our own difficult situation that we're dealing with, you know, we're called to be grateful. And the reason that you can be grateful even in difficult circumstances is this. And we can have confidence that he who began a good work in you will be faithful To complete it. You know what I'm saying? Philippians 1.6. So let's get into the story of Joseph. Joseph was spiritually farsighted, okay? He had good eyes. And it's a good thing too because the Israelites, as we understand them, may not have existed if it wasn't for Joseph. His journey to becoming ruler over Egypt was Hard but he persisted. So before you wish for the things that other people have, perhaps we should look at the journey that it took them to get there. So let's take a look at Joseph's journey. It's pretty interesting. His story begins in Genesis chapter 37. That's where we're gonna be kind of hanging out and we're gonna, we're gonna go through a lot of stuff today. All right, so hang with me. And as we go through, we're gonna learn three lessons In the life of Joseph, about living a life of gratitude, having good eyes. The first lesson is this. Having good eyes is not dependent on the past. Let's look at Joseph's past and you'll see what I mean. Joseph was the son of Jacob. Jacob was renamed Israel by God. Joseph was the 11th of 12 sons. So that's where we get the 12 tribes of Israel, okay? The 12 sons of Israel, of Jacob, became the 12 tribes of Israel that you read about throughout the Old Testament. There was not peace in the house of Israel. I'm sure that it wasn't anything like your family. Like you're, I'm sure that you have kids now, or you had kids, maybe they're grown and gone, but your kids always got along. Your kids always, they're kind to one another, are they not? Always living peaceably with one another, you know, always seeing how they could serve one another and serve you. Dad, you've had a long day. Let me take your smelly work boots and I'll bring you your slippers. Mom, You've been working hard all day. That pile of laundry won't fold itself. I, mother, will fold it for you. That's how it is in your house, right? In Israel's house, the kids weren't getting along, okay? It was not harmonious, if you will. Genesis chapter 37 is where we're gonna start when Joseph was just 17 years old. Let's take a glimpse into their home. Now, Israel... "'loved Joseph more than any of his other sons "'because he had been born to him in his old age. "'He made an ornate robe for him. "'When his brothers saw that their father loved him "'more than any of them, they hated him "'and could not speak a kind word to him. "'Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, "'they hated him all the more. "'He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. How many know at 17, you don't always make the greatest life decisions, okay? So here's Joseph talking to his brothers about his dream. Hey, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose upright while yours gathered around mine and bowed down to it his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of it. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when his father, he told this to his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream that you have had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And his brothers already didn't like him, right? Because he was already the favorite child. Joke, Jacob didn't even seem to make like, to hide it. You know how you hide it at your house? Jacob didn't hide it, okay? So he just said, he was, and so the brothers were tired of, of living as like the second class citizens compared to Joseph. And they got so upset, like this dream, it was the last straw. The coat was like, the, 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 it was breaking, right? But then the, the dreams were the straw that broke the camel's back. And so not only, these guys got so upset, they actually conspired to kill him, to kill their own brother. And then they decided, you know, maybe that's not a good idea. Let's sell him instead. (laughs) You know, there's a Shel Silverstein poem called Sister for Sale. Just look it up. Not now, later. Okay. Anyway... They conspired to kill him, they didn't, they decided instead that they would sell him. So uh, a group of travelers was coming by and they sold their little brother for 20 shekels of silver. And then what they did, it gets even better, their story. They killed a goat, they took uh, Joseph's robe and they dipped it in the blood of the goat and then they took it to their father and said, dad, can you identify this? Is this your son's robe? Is this your son's coat? And Jacob went into immediate mourning and was completely torn apart because his son, he thought, had been devoured by a wild animal. And his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him, and he would not be comforted. He was so torn up about this. In the meantime, This group of travelers got to Egypt and they sold Joseph as a slave to a man named Potiphar who was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. A slave. He was sold as a slave. This is not his dream. Very different than the dream that he had, right? You know, (laughs) I... uh, I've spent the last few years working in the real estate world, not as an agent, but like as someone who looks for the ugly house to renovate it and to flip the house, right? That's, that's kind of what I did for a few years and, uh, I would, so I, I ran into, met a lot of subcontractors, guys that were working on the house or whatever. And in the course of that, I would come to the job site and see how the project was going or whatever. And I'd come into these, this house and the, you know, I'd always find the subcontractor in like these really precarious positions, like in the crawl space, like in the tightest little crawl space under the house. And and you know where the spiders, like just, they just go everywhere and rodents and they're in that crawl space insulating the bottom of the house or doing some kind of work, or they're up on the top of a framed house, rolling out trusses. And I'd roll up to the job site and it was like, hey, John, how's it going? And I'd hear this line all the time, you know, just living the dream, just living the dream. Can you imagine asking Joseph that same question in this situation? Hey, Joe, how's it going? Not living the dream. Not right now. But this is just the beginning of 13 years of his life that he would spend in slavery or in jail. He had everything taken away from him. He was forgotten. He was abandoned. He was lied about. He encountered multiple obstacles that, quite frankly, would have made me want to give up. Like, you know what I mean? I could barely make it through the Seahawks 49ers game on Monday night, you know? And that's not even real adversity, at least it wasn't for the Seahawks. Go Hawks. But Joseph had good eyes. He had good eyes. He lived a life. He had an attitude of gratitude, right? And because of that, because he was still thankful, because he was far-sighted. It says this twice in the Bible about him once as a slave, once as a prisoner, two different times, situations neither of which he deserved. And it said this in Genesis chapter 39 twice. It said, The Lord was with Joseph. Two different passages. Even though God had given Joseph dreams that seemed to point him towards success, did you know that God was not surprised by his circumstances, by Joseph's circumstances? Did you know that? either as a slave or a prisoner. And you know what? Joseph didn't let these circumstances get the best of him. He wasn't looking and say, hey, God, you gave me a dream where my sheath of wheat was gonna raise up. You didn't give me a dream of being sold into slavery. God, what about this obstacle? You gave me a dream where the stars and the moon would bow down to me. You didn't give me a a, a dream of being sold into slavery. He had good eyes. He was not nearsighted. He was... Farsighted. As I was writing this down, I thought, you know, I actually just jotted a note here. Someone needs to know this God's not surprised by your circumstance this morning. He's not surprised by your circumstance. And while you may not be in the position that you thought that you would be in, whether it was by your choice, whether it's a consequence of your own doing, I need to tell you this. The Lord is with you. Yeah, amen. Man, the Lord is with you. Can I just give you a scripture? This is not up here. 1 Peter 5.10. If you're taking notes, just write that. First Peter, 1 Peter 5.10. It says this. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory after you have suffered a little while will restore himself to you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Receive that this morning, whoever is in here that needs that. So for 13 years, Joseph was enslaved and then imprisoned for a crime he didn't commit. You can read the story. 13 years. Let me give you some perspective on 13 years. 13 years ago, the president of the United States was George W. Bush. Doesn't that seem like a long time ago? Right. 13 years ago, the most popular social media site was MySpace. Instagram was still four years away from being launched. 13 years ago, might need a tissue. Seattle had a basketball team called the Supersonics. (laughs) Bring them back, bring them back. So 13 years go by. Pharaoh, the king of the land, has two dreams. And he's really disturbed by them. And none of his magicians and none of his wise men can help him interpret them. And the chief cupbearer is like, oh, man, Pharaoh. Check this out. (laughs) Two years ago, you remember when you had me and the baker thrown in jail and you killed the baker. We each had dreams when you threw us into prison. And there was this guy named Joseph. And Joseph interpreted dreams that we had. We couldn't figure them out. And this guy, Joseph, he told them perfectly And what he said actually happened. Huh. Sorry, I meant to tell you two years ago about this guy. So, Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Let's look in Genesis chapter 41. It says, Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Can I just tell you that part of having good eyes is understanding that our gifts come from God? Part of having good eyes Is understanding that it is God who works through us; that is not on our own doing. And Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. He said, "Pharaoh, let me tell you about your dreams. The good news is that for the next seven years, your land is going to have prolific abundance, more than it's ever seen before. It is going to be amazing. You're going to want to store up. There's going to be success in the wheat fields and the vineyards and everywhere else. Every crop that you." Have is going to be successful, but what you need to do is save because the next seven years after that, you are going to have a famine in this land that will be far-reaching and it will ravage the country and the whole area more than it ever has before. So, what you need to do, Pharaohs, you need to find a guy. You need to find a wise man who can who can help you navigate these two seasons: this one that you'll have plenty, and one will you'll have nothing so that you can use one to get through the other. And then Pharaoh said, who is wiser than you? None of my own people could navigate. They couldn't even tell me my dreams. Who is better equipped than you? Clearly, God is with you and has given you a gift. And Pharaoh took his ring and put it on Joseph's finger, and he said, you are the one that will help us navigate. I'm elevating you into a position because you have been given a gift. And he put Joseph, he said, us, I am Pharaoh, but... You are ruler over all of Egypt. It would have been easy for Joseph at any point to look at these obstacles and say, I did not sign up for this. I cannot move forward because this thing is in my way. What am I supposed to do in prison? What am I supposed to do in slavery? And are we not like that, believing that every obstacle in the road is a problem to be avoided? But what if actually we see opposition as opportunity? What if we see what is opposition actually we see as opportunity? You see, obstacles are the opportunities of refinement that forge our character so that we can accomplish the purposes that God has destined for us. You may not see, you may not know what what God is doing in your life. It may not be obvious, but it does not mean that there isn't opportunity in it. Joseph's past was filled with harsh memories. He was sold by his brothers, abandoned. He was a slave. He was wrongly accused of a crime. He was imprisoned for years while other prisoners were exonerated. He was forgotten about. But being far-sighted, I'll tell you this right now, will provide a purpose to your pain. And through all of his pain, Joseph had good eyes. And it was not dependent on his past. And that was just point number one. You all ready? Point number two. Number two, having good eyes is not changed by the present. See, when the famine hit, it was widespread. It was far-reaching, and it reached the land of Canaan, where Joseph's brothers and father still lived with their family. So Jacob, Israel, sent the brothers to Egypt to buy some food. Let's pick up the story in Genesis chapter 42, verse 6. Now, Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all of its people. I just want you to think about then the gravity of this situation. He was the one that sold to everybody that came for food. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them. Well, well, well. (laughs) How the tables have turned. (laughs) I would say that in the present situation, Joseph has some options, right? And and I could see some pretty unpleasant alternatives for his brothers in this situation. If Joseph had not been mindful of what God had done and the fact that God had actually prepared him for this moment. Joseph is completely in the driver's seat. He has all the resources and all the power to make their life more miserable than whatever happened to him. And what are brothers for if not to make your life miserable? (laughs) You know, we, um, my wife and I have three boys. Speaking of being miserable, I'm joking. No, we love our kids, we love our kids. No, but they do this thing only at like big family gatherings. It's really egged on by my brother-in-law and um, it's called the mark of the squealer, all right? Now, if you have kids or you remember growing up, there's always a squealer in the bunch, right? What I mean is a snitch or a tattle, you know, something like that. And what happens is the so-called squealer gets a bottle cap to the forehead. And what I mean is they take a bottle cap and they press it into the forehead of the squealer. <laughs> now, the last time this happened, I don't even remember what we like what event or what thing it was, but Axel, our 12-year-old, did the mark of the squealer on Clutch, our 7-year-old and he pressed that bottle cap so hard into Clutch's forehead. First of all, it stuck to his forehead. But Clutch had a round circle bruise with like the bottle cap, like ridges marks all across. So he had to go to class like the next day with this circle bruise on his forehead. Oh man, it's brutal. My wife hates it. I hate it too. Although Joseph did not give his brothers the mark of the squealer, he did send his brothers through some pretty significant testing, some like really heart-stopping moments for them. And, and the thing is, is that um, during that process, because he wanted to see if they had changed, right? Right? And during that process, he heard them talking amongst one another in their own like, native Hebraic language. They're like, you know why this is happening to us? You know why we're being tested right now? This could cost us our life because of what we did to our brother some like 20 years come on, ago. Come on. Come on. And Joseph, see, they don't, they don't recognize Joseph, right? So they don't know that he understands their language. He's, he speaks a different dialect, but yet this language that, he, that he's listening to was actually his first. And then Reuben, the oldest, isn't this like the oldest brothers? I told you, told you not to do that, right? Reuben is like, I told you not to lay a hand on the boy. And after a few meetings together, Joseph became overridden with emotion And he had to reveal himself to his brothers. Check this out in Genesis chapter 45. It says, Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. No kidding. (laughs) Not worth living with a guilty conscience, right? And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler over Egypt. And he not only gives them the provision that they need, he says, bring everybody here. This is gonna be your home. This is 20 plus years after he had been abandoned and sold by them. Joseph says, come to my house, come to my land. Stay here with me. We'll be together. Because Joseph understood that it was God who went before them. And he, he saved not just their family, but the generations of future Israelites right here. Because he was, he was what? Farsighted. He was farsighted. Can I just tell you, this morning, that being far-sighted is the bridge between your present and your future, which lands me to our third point. Band, come back up. Number three: having good eyes means being mindful of the future. Even after Jacob, their father, had passed away, right? He came into Egypt and he lived with them. But years later, after Jacob passed away, the brothers were still paranoid that Joseph was now going to exact his revenge. Even though he had already explained to him, man, it wasn't even you that sold me here. It was God that sent me here. But you see, his brothers didn't have the same vision. His brothers didn't have the same outlook that Joseph did. And in Genesis 50, we see even more evidence of Joseph having good eyes. Chapter 50, verse 18. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them, and he spoke kindly To them, Joseph understands that it was God who had been at work throughout his whole life. It may not be in the way that Joseph thought it was going to be. Joseph may have chosen a different path. Let's be honest, that was a tough road. You know, earlier today, we sang the song see a victory and the lyrics on that bridge it says you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. See what the enemy meant for evil here Joseph being sold as a slave, slandered, forgotten, abused. God turned to good by positioning him in a, in a place where he could save the first generation of the Israelites. And because of that and through that, it was God, not Joseph, who got the glory. Our path may not be how we envisioned it. We may have a different road than we thought it would be when we were given the dream, when we thought we had an idea of what we wanted to do or what God called us to do. But let me just reaffirm you and remind you that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I'm just wondering what you're going through this morning that is making you say, God, this isn't the dream. I didn't sign up for this. This isn't what you called me to do. But if I could just say this this morning, if you could see where God is taking you, you wouldn't complain about what you're going through. And I'm talking about that's for me. And that's for you, and that's for everybody. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.